0: The voices across the room interceding for those that are undergoing suffering or threat
1: across the world. Um, it, it just it's a powerful moment um, This is just as a little an, uh, uh, an aside um,
0: when we're thinking about the persecuted church uh, in, in the book of Acts the early Christians were were under threat uh, almost immediately for for preaching about Jesus, for teaching about Jesus. And uh, in a couple of places it it just very clearly they in Acts chapter 4, for example, it says that they they considered the threats against them
1: and then they continued to speak boldly. They asked God for boldness in the midst of it.
0: And so um, we want to lift up those that are suffering for the name of Christ, but we also want to be people who are willing to suffer for the name of Christ, who call and ask God to give us increased boldness. A friend of mine... um, he, he says fairly regularly that he thinks the sweetest worship of God across the world are is probably in the work camps
1: of North Korea where there have been people there for decades because of their faith in Jesus. Um,
0: willingly, uh, I mean, not willingly, but just with a peace in their heart. Um, worshiping Christ, even in the midst of tremendous suffering. Uh, this morning, we are continuing in our series in Isaiah or Isaiah. I, th- I think I've said both enough that we're all thoroughly confused. <laughs> Um, we have been, so we're in the the earlier chapters of, Isaiah has 66 chapters. It's a long book. And um, it's not often, these passages are not as frequently taught in the church. And so, and there's some reasons for that. It's just a little harder to understand the flow of what's happening. It's using this, you know, Hebrew poetry from, you know, 2700 years ago so there's just some reasons why it it's not as quickly readily read and understood um but that's why we're in it is because it is the word of god and we want to to work through it and my prayer is that through this uh it helps to understand a little bit better and so my other prayer is that you are reading through isaiah while we're going through this as a church um this will help as you're as you're working through this. So we've been uh, we spent uh, a few weeks on Isaiah chapter one through twelve, and, and Isaiah one through twelve was really focused on on Israel and and Judea and just what was going on there, and the core message from God through His prophet Isaiah was trust. Me. Don't trust in the political ways. Don't trust in the, you know, your common ways of corruption. Don't trust in other nations being able to save you, but trust God through it all. And then in the more recent weeks, we've gone through chapters 13 to 23. And these are the the focus has gone to all of these other nations that are around Israel at that time.
1: But the message actually is the same. It's saying, trust me in this.
0: Just trust God, not not me. Don't trust me. Trust God. Um, that that there will be judgment, and judgment falls on everyone across the world. No one is
1: different. And at the same time, God is the God of every nation. God is the creator of every
0: person who's ever walked the earth. And so then today, this morning, we're going to go through the next sequence of chapters, chapters 24 to 27. And this actually, again, is another little shift and this one is sort of global. So we went from Israel and Judea to the, the nations, and now we're just like the world, all right? And the other thing about these chapters, to, just to note, is that it has um, it's, it's really focusing us towards the future. This is what is going
1: to happen. And so we, um, we come into this. Uh, it's a kind of, a,
0: there's some weird passages in the, these chapters um, because it begins to give some imagery of the future. In fact, the book of Revelation refers back to these chapters quite a bit. But one of the things that you that may stand out as you read these chapters is the frequency of the word city.
1: In these chapters Uh, and and in it there's a contrast of two cities
0: and the reason i think isaiah uses this idea of city is it is really like where humanity or civilization is concentrated culture kind of brims out of cities Uh, Not too long ago, a foreign policy magazine issue uh, was devoted to this idea of cities. And it says this the 21st century will not be dominated by America or China, Brazil or India, but by the city. In an age that appears increasingly unmanageable, cities rather than states are becoming the islands of governance on which the future of the world will be built.
1: Cities have captured our imaginations ever since they they first were built. And, And strangely enough, even until last century, the
0: lifespan, the expected life of someone in the city was actually lower than in the countryside. And yet people still went to cities.
1: Disease and pestilence spread easily through those dense, unsanitized cities, but still
0: they went. And I think the reason is cities
1: represent all of our ambition, all of our hope. There's an old singer by the name of Frank Sinatra, Blue Eyes,
0: he was known as. He sang of the draw of the city. He says, I will make a brand new start of it in an old New York. If I can make it there, I'll make it anywhere. It's up to you, New York, New York,
1: New York. I'm not gonna sing it for you. And you can thank me later for that. Or if you prefer a more modern version, Jay-Z and Alicia Keys deliver
0: their ode to New York City. In New York, concrete jungle where dreams are made of, there's nothing you can't do. Now you're in New York. These streets will make you feel brand new. Big lights will inspire you. Let's hear it for New York. Both of those songs from different generations still capture the same kind of idea that the city will make me better and then
1: I will do something incredible in the city. But they tell us a lot about us as people.
0: We put a lot of stock in the potential of the city, of the potential of humanity gathered. The inspiration, the energy, the competitive atmosphere, it drives us to improve. I recently met up with a a former student of mine who went back to his hometown, and then he was back in KL for some some business things, and he was we were in a sort of a busy area near an Eco City area, and he was just looking at all the people rushing by, going this way and that way, people from all over the world, and he said, "It really is inspiring
1: to be here." He had missed that aspect of life in KL. So we can see it in two ways. Cities become the source of our hope. The language used
0: in these songs almost gives cities the property of a savior. And and even more significantly, when we do this, cities become about us.
1: What do we get out of the city? Frank Sinatra and Jay-Z
0: are remarkably similar to the city builders in Genesis 11, where they build a grand city to make a name for themselves. Sinatra and Jay-Z are also trying to make a name for themselves. You and I may not be trying to rise to the top of the music scene, but maybe we do aspire to come to the top of whatever it is That we do in our companies, in our professions, we come to the city to take from it, to look for
1: opportunities, comforts, advantages, to to seek our dreams. It's a subtle thing that happens,
0: but what develops out of that is a love
1: for the city that is maybe out of order with what it should be. In other places in the Bible, it, it, it doesn't use the word city. It may use the word world.
0: In Christian circles, it's common to say that we are to be in
1: the world, but not, but not of the world. So in the world, but not of the world. Oh,
0: how many times have you heard that? I'm like, I don't even know what that means.
1: How am I in it and not of it? because we are far more of it than we would like to admit.
0: So I'm I'm gonna introduce another singer. You probably didn't expect to hear about Jay-Z and Frank Sinatra this morning. Um, I'm a big fan of the band U2. I have been for decades. In fact, it was 30 years ago, this is marking my age, that I first saw them live in 1992. Um, re- just recently, Bono released a memoir, and it actually deals with a lot of faith issues. Bono and two other members of the band U2 made a commitment to Christ in the late 70s, and in, in a rock star, rough, Irish kind of way, they've continued that journey of faith. Um, it doesn't look necessarily like what I, as an elder, would advocate for everyone, but there is still, He, I mean, he said in an interview recently that if someone were to say who wants to choose Jesus, he said, I would be the first one to raise my hand, and in an interview this past week, he said, He started talking about surrender. It's the name of his book, and that he wants to surrender totally. But then he gives one exception to this. He says, When I say surrender totally, I don't mean make peace with the world. I'm not ready to make peace with the world. I'm trying to make peace with myself. I'm trying to make peace with my maker. I'm not trying to make peace with the
1: world. The world is very unfair. Deeply unfair. I'm keeping my fists up for that one.
0: And what Bono expresses there in a very different way is he is in the world, but not of it. He's recognizing that there are, there's this, the lure of the city has a power over us that is not. It's, it does not, it's not what God wishes for us. It's not what we were created for. It creates an ambition that is not healthy for us. It gives us a pride that is out of place with who we really are. And so let's dig into this passage here today. Um, chapters 24 to 27 We're really going to spend more time in chapters 25, 26. Can we go to
1: the next, no, back one? Before that? Maybe after that? Where's the the 24th and 27th? Yes,
0: thank you. So this is, I'm going to get kind of nerdy here for a second. Okay. There's a, I'm, I'm a teacher more than a preacher. So Hebrew poetry, and this is one of the reasons why it's hard to understand is it flows differently than maybe the poetry that you're used to. And so for, I can speak for Western poetry. I can't speak for Persian poetry, um, or other poetries, but in Western poetry, it leads, you know, one, two, three, four. It leads, the end is the ultimate thing that you're trying to get to. And Hebrew poetry, it moves towards the center is the main thing that they're trying to get to. And so if you look at these chapters, again, just kind of, just nerd out with me for a moment, okay? Um, So you see like chapter 24 and chapter 27, mirror each other in in the themes that they're covering and then uh and and that's a1 a2 b1 b2 and so forth until it gets to the center which is chapter 25 6 through 12. and ultimately what this is saying is it's moving from this place of the whole world is under judgment and let me read, we'll keep it on this slide for a second, but let me read from chapter 24,
1: just two verses, verses 4 and 5. It says this, The earth mourns and withers, the world languishes
0: and withers. The highest people of the earth languish. The earth lies defiled under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes
1: broken the everlasting covenant those are pretty devastating words the people of the earth which is all the people there was no space x at that time have violated the everlasting covenant and really, the everlasting
0: covenant is the only one that really matters. And so there's, there's judgment on the earth. The whole earth stands under God's judgment.
1: And there comes a day when they will answer. And so then you see the world <coughs>
0: repent of this or, or mourn over this, rather. And the sinful world is overthrown and then there's this waiting, and then there's these songs about cities. So we're going to look a little bit about the song of the city, and then we'll move in from there. So think about this in two cities, the lofty city and the strong city. So go
1: with me to chapter 26. Chapter 26 of Isaiah. I'm going to read two
0: verses, verses 5 and 6. And this is about the lofty city. For he has humbled the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city. He lays it low, lays it low to the ground, casts it to the
1: dust. The foot tramples it, the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. We can go through this with a simple acrostic.
0: Cost, C-O-S-T. So first of all, what we see about this lofty city is
1: it is centered on human pride. Many of us,
0: many people believe they can find happiness through the city or through the things that the city offers. The lofty city thinks it has fortifications that it can provide safety for people, and, and security is a basic need that we have. So we build security walls. We hire security guards. We install
1: security systems. All with the goal of peace. But all of the security can't guarantee safety. Or if we have the, um, we convince ourselves that
0: if we have like the certain size house or the certain car or the certain salary that then we can achieve happiness if i can just get to this point then i can i can be okay then i can
1: i will do more things for god at that point i know you haven't ever said that but other people have And when we state it so bluntly, it sounds silly saying if we have a big enough house or a
0: lucrative job that it would bring us happiness. Without realizing it, we have bought into this idea that
1: we can buy or build our way into happiness. Have you ever dreamed of having a Porsche? I have. When I was a young boy growing up on Old Kling Road, we had a neighbor who had a Porsche. And one day he invited me to take a ride in the Porsche with him. And and Porsches have
0: captivated the imagination of young boys for for many years. Uh, The the owner of that Porsche was described, you can still remember, he said, you know, most cars you get into when you speed up, you really don't feel it. And there's special technology that helps you feel it. And in the Porsche, they intentionally didn't put in that feature so that you feel
1: the force when you start to speed up quickly. Several years later, my wife and I were at a conference and heard a speaker who used to be an advertising
0: agent for Porsche. His job was um, basically to, the way he puts it is this, uh, my role as an advertising account planner was to serve as a kind of consumer anthropologist. He said, that's the sanitized description of it. More accurately, my my task was to hijack your imagination, brand your brain with our logo, and then feed you opinions you thought were your own. You're welcome, he says. He continues to say, my job was to save people from feeling impotent, unattractive, or powerless by offering them a Porsche, which promised to fix those problems.
1: He later came to realize that what he was selling was a false gospel for a lot of money. Um, He then went into training and became a pastor. Instead, how much has the world, has the city just seeped into
0: our understanding of everything around us so that we have, our priorities have become more like the world than that of what scripture calls us to? The other thing about this lofty city is oppression. People come to cities in death desperate circumstances. Those with power and ability take advantage of those who are desperate. And I know there are those in this room that have
1: been recipients of that kind of oppression. Jerusalem was guilty of this.
0: We saw that in Isaiah 1 through 12. The other cities were guilty of, the, of this as well in other nations. We saw this in chapters 13 to 23. And what it drives us to, if ambition is our goal, if we're
1: trying to achieve something, is we become more selfish. Desire to make it. It encourages you to look out for yourself over others. I hear this regularly from those working in corporate environments. The backstabbing that
0: happens in order to get ahead in a company is just way too common. And then fourthly, trample the, trample the poor. We see in verse 6, there's a relationship between serving your own
1: ambitions and the way we treat the poor and the needy. The lofty city may have shiny, tall buildings. Glittering malls, but
0: ultimately it is unmasked as a false gospel and is not the hope of humanity. Now we're going to back up again in in the first four verses of chapter 26. And this is the strong city. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. So immediately we see the contrast between the lofty city and the strong city. The strong city is a city
1: that is centered on god not centered on our pride and so then it is
0: god who provides for our security it is god who provides our
1: identity and gives us our hope this city it says in verse two open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in The the strong city is only for the righteous. That's what makes it a strong city. That's what makes it
0: centered on God. In verse three, it says we keep him in perfect peace. In the Hebrew, it says in peace, peace, which is and uh, means that it's the best peace, the peace beyond
1: what we can imagine or think about. Shalom. Remember the word shalom, we've talked about this before, is something beyond the word
0: peace really means. When we think of the word peace, we just think, you know, there's not fighting for a little while. But shalom is deeper. It's where there's reconciled relationships between us and our creator where there's reconciled relationships between us and each other, and even the land around us. It's it's where we are fully flourishing as God's people.
1: A city centered on God enjoys true shalom.
0: This does not mean that they are suddenly super spiritual or spiritual mutants or anything. It means they now love foreigners and strangers in, the, in their midst as much as they love themselves. It means that they, when they are making purchasing decisions, they automatically consider how it'll affect their relationship with God. It means they are no longer willing to backstab someone else in the workplace to get ahead, but willing to
1: take a lower job in order to live in perfect peace. And finally,
0: when, peop- when a people choose to put their full trust in God rather than themselves, their careers or identities, then those people experience a kind of flourishing that's beyond anything that we can experience apart from God.
1: Trust in the everlasting rock. So uh, if you're tracking with me,
0: There's two cities, a lofty city and a strong city. The strong city is only
1: for the righteous. It just sounds too good to be true. There's nothing like that around, right? I mean, you might be thinking, let's go to the airport. I want to buy a ticket to that place. But if the strong city is only open to the righteous... What does that mean for a sinner like me? In Isaiah 59, 12, it says, for our transgressions are multiplied
0: before you and our sins testify against us. How do we enter the city of God? How do we become citizens of the strong city? For that, let's back up another chapter to chapter 25. I said that chapter 25 is at the center of these
1: these chapters. So let's look specifically at verses 6 through 9. I'll
0: read the verses and then walk through them a little bit. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people
1: So we're transported to this vision of the future. It's a beautiful vision of a city.
0: The mountain of the Lord is the city of God. Psalm 48.1 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain. And so when you see mountain throughout Isaiah, it is most often referring to the city of God. Mount Zion. In this great city of God, it is there's an amazing feast. I don't know what your images of the
1: afterlife are of heaven are um they might be a little too boring. Um this is like this is this is a legit party going on here. This is the best the best food, the best drink. And it's a feast that is open to people from every nation.
0: It's an incredible picture of God as the God of every nation. He's never just a tribal God. He's always
1: been the God of every people, every tribe, every language. And as we've already discussed,
0: we have been born guilty of wrongdoing. We have been participants
1: in breaking the everlasting covenant So as a result, we stand guilty before God. And our
0: guilty status before an infinitely holy God means we are headed for a funeral. In verse seven, it describes the covering that is cast over all peoples. All nations this covering is a burial shroud in other words everyone from every nation is heading for death and burial we stand before god with a report card that keeps getting worse so how is it that we see this future image
1: of the nations feasting in the great city of god Simply, the most amazing thing happened. God himself swallowed up death forever.
0: Jesus, the God-man, came as one of us, lived the first righteous life in human history. He became the perfect sacrifice for us through dying on the cross, willingly taking our sin, our
1: disobedience, our unrighteousness, took it on himself. He was put to death, and he overcame death, swallowing death forever so that we might
0: enter God's great city, not only as citizens, but as members of God's royal family. We have a seat at
1: that table of that royal feast, that wedding feast. We enter the strong city
0: by putting our total trust in the mighty and miraculous work of Jesus,
1: the Messiah, the savior of the world. If you have not done that, I would urge you this morning to consider it. The Bible is clear that our future is bleak without putting our lives in God's trustworthy hands. Don't wait. For those of you that have done this, that have put your faith in God's hands, I've got good news for you. You are already citizens of God's strong city. And there's going to come a time when God's strong city is going to come
0: to full and full fruition fully in place. In the meantime, we have something sort of like dual citizenship. We still live in the lofty city. That's what's all around us.
1: The city of human ambition and idolatry. But as citizens of God's city, we orient our
0: lives around God and his purposes. We live in anticipation of the future city where we Sit at this banquet and feast with all of the
1: nations in attendance. As the church, we are sort of like a, a city within a city. I, as some, some folks that are here live just down at Jalan Umpong. There's this big, dark,
0: gray condo building called M-City, Right. Our family, we call it the Death Star because it looks like the Star Wars Death Star. I mean, there's even the, the middle area that looks like it's you know going to, there's a cannon that will just take out other planets at will. Um, but I mean, the the, the idea of be, be calling it M-City is that it's a city within the city, right? That they've got a grocery store there, they've got other businesses there. They've got a you know a gym and a pool. They've got everything you need to, to function well there. The idea is that they're trying to create this city within a city. Now we're not gonna have the church is not gonna have a pool and a gym and all that. But the idea is that we are creating a, a community that values different things. A community that says that I will love. Other people, even my enemies, even the people that treat me terribly at work, because I know that this is not the end, that God has created this new city for us to be a part of, where God will prevail, where there will be no more tears. He
1: will wipe away our tears. And we are to present to the city around us this alternative city.
0: We are to demonstrate what it means to be part of something different. We don't have to lower ourselves to this world of this rat race kind of world. So what does this mean for us today? How do we live as citizens of the strong city in the midst of the lofty city? First, Trust
1: in God for your happiness, salvation, and as the source of life. I, Isaiah through 66 chapters, this is what, this is the, the
0: thing that Isaiah is just pounding repeatedly. Trust God, trust God. And really, he's just giving lots of different case studies for why, why it is that we need to trust God. So if it sounds like I've been repeating this kind of emphasis, it's because Isaiah repeats this emphasis. Trust God for your happiness, for your salvation, for your source of life. Otherwise, you will be blinded by the glitz and the glam, by the ambition and pride. Remember the gospel of Jesus, that we, along with everyone else, are naturally headed for death. God has restored us by sending Jesus to overcome death itself through his death on the cross and victorious resurrection back to life. So we want to frame our thinking with God's word. Read it, meditate on it, study it, memorize it. Secondly, love, your, love and serve your city and all the people in it.
1: The lofty city is one that tramples the poor. As God's people, we want to do the opposite.
0: We want to love the poor well. We want to love those that have been trampled upon. We want to to embrace those that have been betrayed by others.
1: Thirdly, invite the nations to enter the strong city through faith in Jesus. The church is an outpost of the city of God within the city of man.
0: We are to shine the light of the gospel in every way to the surrounding nations. We are blessed to be in a city where the nations are everywhere. I I, I feel like if you walk any particular day in KLCC, there's probably representatives of a hundred different nations
1: in there on any given day. This is the primary calling of the church, to give witness
0: to Jesus, to the nations. What we do on Sunday is a little bit more of a team meeting before we go back
1: out into the world and do our ministry. So this is team meeting time. Going back to Isaiah. Isaiah takes his readers through 200 years of Israel's future history. He told the people of Israel that they would be taken out of their land, taken into exile
0: to Babylon Mm -hmm. and then to Persia. That they would return to their land. And when they did return, it would be natural for them to want to lick their wounds, build back their cities, and return Israel to its place among the nations. In other words, this temptation to go back to this city, the the lofty city idea, is a continual temptation for us. In Isaiah 49.6, it says, they're told not to limit their focus to themselves. It says this, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant, To raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel.
1: I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth.
0: In other words, Israel was challenged not just to think about their nation, they were challenged to be a light to the nations.
1: So, will we as harvest be a light? To the nations. Will you join me in prayer? God, we thank you for your word today. For those things that challenge us,
0: God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear that if we have been proud, if we have been selfish, if if we have trampled on others to get ahead, if we have allowed ambition or love of the city to eclipse our love for you and our
1: love for others. Father, we repent of these things. Help us see where we have
0: allowed these things to take too much of a hold in our heart. And so, Father, we come to you. We ask that you would build within us greater faith and greater trust to to see you at work. That you ultimately give us peace that will transform our lives. And God, we pray that we would not just, it would not just stop with us, but that you would use us to convey this peace, the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone we encounter so that more and more might be part of this strong city so that others will no longer have to live under this burial shroud Father, we thank you for life, eternal. God, we pray that you would use us to invite others to join us in it. It's in Jesus' name we pray,
1: amen.